This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. In 1137, one of the most impressive cathedrals of Paris was completed. The immense architecture of Notre Dame struck awe in the hearts of the residents it surrounded. But one such feature did this more so than any other, that of the grotesque faces of the many gargoyles found perched on the corners of the high ledges of the cathedral, the telltale guardians of the city and of the building itself. Many mythologies sprang up about these fearsome stone statues. Legends of such creatures changing from their typical form into grotesque guardians brought to life by divine powers of the universe. Even more curious, in modern times, witnesses report massive winged beasts, grotesquely shaped and described only as gargoyles. Originally conceived of as carved representations wrought from stone adorning Gothic structures across Europe, could these creatures actually exist in the real world? Did they at one time come to life at night? Or could they be inspired from all too real encounters of our ancient past? Protectors from something very real? Join us on Into the Portal for a historical look at one of architecture's most fearsome features and the real-life accounts of such creatures, only known as gargoyles. Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And welcome back, everybody. Mm-hmm. This week, uh, yeah, we're getting into something that we've been looking forward to for a long time. And yes. we mentioned it a long, long time ago, and we added it to the list. Did we mention it a long time ago? Yeah, you brought it up really? a long time ago. Oh! And it's crept up to the towards the top of the list, and we're finally getting around to it. Yeah. But before we do, tiny bit of housekeeping. No new reviews this week, but that's okay. Um, chance for you guys who haven't left us a review yet to hop on iTunes or wherever you do listen to the show and uh, leave us a review. That would be awesome. Even if you don't type one in just to like click the stars, it helps us out a ton. Um, Mm -hmm. And we have gotten a little bit of better traction on iTunes. So um, if you guys have a minute, please do that. That would be awesome. We actually had a shout out. I want to give a shout out to uh, Darren Budnick from uh, a listener from Pender Island, BC, because he reached out on Twitter and was trying to figure out how to leave us a review. He doesn't have iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Yeah, some and, apps um, make it hard. Some apps do really make it hard. Like, he uses Podcast Addict, so do I. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's a way to do it on there, at least on the on a hmm. mobile. But um, I know we've had some reviews on Podbean and yep. a few other places that... Uh, Stitcher. Stitcher, I think, mm-hmm. too. So if you guys have left, left us a review on one of those and we haven't read it or seen it, let us know. And uh, those are other places, too. So, like, thanks, Darren, for reaching out um, yeah. for that. So that's sweet. There's always Facebook, too. And Facebook is always a, a good fallback. Yeah. yeah. So you can always leave us one there and we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. So thanks, everyone. 
We also wanted to give just a quick thanks to everyone that reached out to us about the Sea People's episode. Definitely. Because we got some really cool feedback. It was really positive and amazing. And we just, yeah, it was really, it was kind of funny because it was one of those ones where it's like, oh, like, are people going to like, you know, be into this? We were, yeah. But people were into it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People love history. It was great. People love history. Yeah, no, it was one of those ones where it could like get bogged down really easily. With True. Kind with of a the, lot of info and All dates. the nuances, the names, yeah. everything, but yeah. So it, we're stoked that you guys love that weird history stuff like as much as we do. Exactly. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then just one other thing off the top of the show here uh, is our YouTube re-releases that we've been sort of putting out there one by one really slowly, but it's starting to gain a little bit of traction. And if you prefer to consume your content on YouTube or you haven't listened to like our beginning episodes, because I'm starting at the very beginning. That's right. And doing it with this awesome overlay that one of our buddies uh, did up for us, which is really cool. It's not like if you look at it, there's like images of like um, past topics from like like I don't know the earlier episodes right because he put that together quite early definitely but yeah so if you want to check it out check it out (laughs) but anyways let's get into it cool Mm -hmm. so today we are discussing gargoyles Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a a 50-50 episode here in terms of uh, history and then also absolutely bonkers crazy stories because when you hear the word gargoyle, like the first thing I think of, well, well first thing I think of was the cartoon, yep. which we'll reference, obviously. But, you know, the gothic stone figures yes. on the sides of cathedrals and castles and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like most people believe that gargoyles were first conceived in this way as water spouts on like 13th century gothic architecture. It's just classic for that era, right? That's cool, right? The idea that it was a water spout. That's right. I didn't really know that until we started looking into this because I'm yeah. not really, I'm not a huge architecture kind of buff. Yeah. And uh, it never came up in, in school. So it's just, I thought it was just for protection. Yeah, that, or, just, that was or my... just decoration, right? Yeah. Like, that's what I always thought, just to make it look cool. Yeah. But it makes perfect sense. But yeah, that's what they're that's what they're used for. They're used to divert water away. And for the obvious reason that uh, these buildings are all super old and made of stone and, and concrete and mm-hmm. water running down the sides is going to absolutely destroy them. So exactly. the gargoyles are a protection for the building in a, in oh, a sense, right? In a I metaphorical like sense. Yeah. But... Gargoyles are actually a lot older than the 13th century, than the medieval era, and a lot of people don't know that either. So it actually dates back to some ancient civilizations that we've referenced recently, Mm -hmm. and that is way before the medieval era. So the ancient Greeks, even the ancient Etruscans, who we mentioned in our Sea Peoples episode, the Egyptians, the ancient Romans, they constructed uh, terracotta clay gargoyles in certain places, things like that. There's even evidence of a 13,000-year-old stone crocodile gargoyle found in what is now modern-day Turkey, mm-hmm. and this one is considered to be the oldest gargoyle in the world. That's amazing. Ever, ever found. That's really cool. So it's really cool. Huh. And what's so fascinating about them, and we'll get into this throughout the episode, is that we don't know all the reasons why they exist, and why they are where they are, and what they represent, depending okay. on what we're looking at, right? Because it's culturally specific uh, mm-hmm. to a certain degree, right? Definitely. Hmm. So... In Egypt, for example, gargoyles were placed on the roofs of temples where their mouths were served also as water spouts. So it was the same function in ancient times, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And yeah, we, we, we see them as well on the sides of Greek temples. And these figures were typically carved in the shape of, you know, like animals that are of high prestige mm. or whatever, right? Like lions, eagles, and other animals that were known around the Aegean from like, you know, adventurers and explorers in Africa and places like that. Cool. Um, 
Yeah. So, and we can still see these today, which is pretty cool. So there's like in Greece, for example, uh, all 39 of the water spouts from the original 100 and, oh, sorry, 39 of the original 102 water spouts on the temple of Zeus in Greece are still remaining on the structure. That's amazing. Which is really cool. Crafted from marble and all of them carved in the shape of lion's heads. (laughs) Right. But because of the sheer... Very majestic. Oh, amazing. But they're massive, right? Mm -hmm. And because of the sheer weight of these things over the centuries, obviously they have just straight broken fallen off and uh yeah that's really cool carved from marble hey? very cool right what? and we see the lion's head as well in egypt so they're depicted oh, yeah. in, in, in egyptian gargoyles as well and that's sort of the most popular um <laughs> yeah i have this little uh this little note here i don't actually remember where this was from but the lion in egypt allegedly represented the sun and it's, oh, I mean, yeah. the lion is obviously a symbol of great importance, importance and so is the sun, obviously. Well, it's very, even just the imagery of a lion, right, with the big mane and right. like, it's like, a, yeah. It's very like much a, like that. It's like a big uh, sunburst. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. So we got, we got it from all over, at least in the Western world. We didn't really come up with any Eastern, um, besides the Turkey, that's like the Near East, I guess. That's as far as we went. Yeah, like... You know, uncover anything with, like, China or Japan, any sort of similar... I definitely, can like, thought about going down some of those mm-hmm. rabbit holes, and there are different, you know, things you could call <clears throat> gargoyles in those cultures as well. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, this one was inspired by the, the classic, like, gargoyles of Notre Dame, essentially. Well, exactly, yeah. So, it, obviously, yeah, when I first thought of... Gar- I grew up with gargoyles, the cartoons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of, and... To be honest, I'd really like to go back and watch a few of those. I feel They're like they're probably would be. on YouTube. I would oh man, we didn't even look. We, we should, should look after this. Yep, we're doing it. Okay. <laughs> it's Sunday. We are gonna check out some card. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, so yeah, these were, I didn't actually know when I was a kid that they were based off the Notre Dame gargoyles, which does make sense because they're some of the most famous in the world, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. They're, they are pretty ancient. So they have basically been watchmen over Paris since the Notre Dame was erected in 1163. It's a ways back. So that, yeah, that is like right at the start of like <laughs> the Gothic sort of architectural era and that sort of uh, tradition. Yes. Um, but yeah, like other, like, you know, like y- you always think Gothic. That's the most common conception when you're, um, well, you know, for mainstream, whatever. Definitely. But it's interesting though. There's other elements to this too. Like, you know, you got the stained glass windows, flying buttresses, tall spires, <sighs> and the gargoyles are just this wonderful addition that kind of just wraps it all together. And I honestly couldn't imagine what we would have if we didn't have gargoyles, hey, in the Gothic sort of era. Oh, absolutely. It definitely accentuates the already very, like, what's the word? It's austere, but it's like... It's spooky. It's spooky. Yeah. It has a power to it. It's almost like an aura. Yeah. Like, I've never actually been to Europe either. Like, I've only ever seen, like, you know, like, images of it. Yeah. But even those are, like, pretty awe-inspiring. I've been in some gothic cathedrals in in Vienna. Ooh, I think it was when I was in Europe. And it's just epic. Yeah. You walk in and it's just like, and it's all all gray and black. Like, it's all so dark, right? And then you walk into other types of churches and stuff from other eras and it's just adorned in gold and it's all bright with like, 
It's it, that's the, amazing. The vibe is so different. Oh, I could imagine. We have to go traveling. Definitely, we will. <laughs> but yeah, so <clears throat> the actual term gargoyle is kind of a weird one, right? But it does derive from you know. There actually goes back further than French. Like there is the French word for throat, which is gargouille, mm. and then it goes back even further than that to the Latin, which is gurg. I don't even know how to say this. Gurgolio. 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 Something like that. <laughs> Both mean throat, though, essentially. Yeah. Gullet, throat, <clears throat> something along Which those lines. Which makes sense, right? Because we're talking about spitting water away from buildings, so it just, it it works, right? They're yeah. just vomiting it out. Makes sense. And it's actually funny, because you do get that sort of translation with the Dutch word, which is waterspuwe, <laughs> which means literally water vomiter. Very cool. You get the German here, too, the... Which I'm totally mispronouncing this. Sorry, guys. But <laughs> we, need, uh, we need Travis with his German translation. Oh, yeah, yeah, where is he? Uh, that just essentially means water spitter. So, again, not as um, voracious. <laughs> right, yes. Um, but, yeah, and then you get the Italian, too. There's... I don't even know how to say this either. I'm going to let you take this one. Oh, gosh. Uh, why? Because I have partial Italian yeah, background. Come on. Uh, Granda Sporgente. There you go. I don't know. Which um, just is more of, like, a technical sort of thing, yeah. which is, like, a protruding gutter is right. kind of what the translates yeah. to. But really we went, cool. We went from most interesting to least interesting in that order there. <laughs> Instead of, like, the other <laughs> way. Started with water vomiter and worked <laughs> down to protruding gutter. Protruding <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsies. No, that's... no. Missed that's, that one. <laughs> no, that's interesting, though, how they are. Like, yeah, the, the terms are different. It's interesting. And mm-hmm. the Dutch one takes the cake. It does. But there is a legend based... Like, there is a legend of the gargoyle. Cool. That's sort of the... Origin people claim thing. is the origin story. And that is the tale of a guy by the name of St. Romanus of Ruin. Ruin? R-O-U-E-N? Ruin. Which is essentially like a town in France. Or a... a, a, a it's like a... Province-ish, I think. Yeah. I and I, I found, like, sort of differing accounts that he wasn't actually from the area, that he was brought to the oh. area specifically for this, so I don't really know. Because of his reputation, probably. Right. And he's become just, you know, a figure in legend and allegory, essentially, right? He, okay. It's debated whether or not any of this was true. But Oh, uh, there's no record, really, of him. There's his... records of him, but mm-hmm. his, his birth date and death date are both debated. Okay. Anyway, hmm. so St. Romanus, he was a scribe, clerical sage, and a bishop of the area of Rouen in France, and he would have lived under the rule of a guy by the name of uh, Dagobert, Dagobert the First, six, 629 to, uh, to 639 Father AD. of Engelbert? Engelbert. <laughs> Shout out to Engelbert Humperdinck, yeah. <laughs> Spanish eyes. It's a great song. God. <laughs> How did we slip that reference in? I'd, who would have thought that was going to happen today? Oh my goodness gracious. Um, anyway, so yeah, no, his his birth date is completely unknown, allegedly. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah. But his life is uh, best known in legend and tradition and can be seen in stained glass windows and French works of myth and lore and things like that. So why is this guy so special? Well... He's known for performing miracles. Okay. That's one reason. <laughs> okay, that's a good reason. I mean, you're, honestly, you can kind of retire after that. Like, if you're performing <laughs> miracles, and yeah, people are going to take notice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but no, uh, yeah, known for performing miracles. For example, uh, let me think. Let me, let me see here. Let me ca- gather myself in my notes. 
He was, okay, so he was basically summoned a lot of the time to try to take care of the uh, the pagans. Really? Because the church was kind of obviously trying to assert itself. Okay. And so he was known for the destruction of a pagan temple, which was seen as basically like, you know, as a savior in the church, the eyes of the I church see. or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So he was, you know, he had set out to evangelize the countryside and things like that. He cursed demons. You know, he allegedly provoked the chief demon uh, of this pagan temple and caused it to collapse and basically saved the town and stories like that, right? Just like classic stories of uh, Christian conversion um, from, yeah, paganism. Pretty much. Kind of unfortunate because there's a lot of cool stuff with the pagan tradition. Yeah, and they kept the tree. Kept the Christmas tree. Oh, is that from pagan times? Absolutely. Really? Yeah, maybe we'll touch on that near Christmas. <gasps> we need to do, yeah, like an epic Christmas yeah. myth special. Cool. Yeah, they kept the good stuff and they shunned what they didn't like. <laughs> Anyways, but this is where it connects to Gargoyle. So the story goes that around 600 AD, there was a dragon known as the Gargoyle. So the same name as Throat. Um, but there's other versions that claim that this beast actually went by the name of Goji. Mm-hmm. Which is like... Eating lots of berries? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Healthiest dragon around. <laughs> St. Romanus was, as the story goes, summoned by these townspeople of Ruin and attempted to, you know, contracted essentially to either slay the beast or get rid of it. You know, they knew he performed miracles and things like that. So they were like, we need you to get rid of this monster for us. They need his divine powers. Mm -hmm. We have found a a really cool quote here from Folklore Thursday. It's a blog and it just kind of describes the ordeal in a little bit better imagery. It says here, um, quote, the Saint Romanus promised to deal with La Gaguel if the residents agreed to build a church in the town and join his congregation. When they complied, he set off, quote, with annual conv- oh, sorry, with the annual convict. The annual convict <laughs> and the items needed for an exorcism. So a bell, book, candle, and cross. Legend states that Romanus subdued the dragon with the sign of the cross and got his craft on by restraining the dragon with a leash made from his own robe before leading him back to town. Right. End quote. And that little bit about the annual convict there, um, I think it was that as a part of the legend, they would have, it was kind of like Castle Hoska where they had, like, one convict a year that was, like, let out to try to deal with this thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, because actually now I'm remembering this a little clearer. I just totally blanked on that for a sec. But, yeah, no, he, the only person that would go with him was, yeah, the person right. that was sentenced to die. Yeah. He, he wasn't going to be let out. That's right. That's what So was. that was kind of his trading. Because he was like, I need somebody. It's a bargaining chip. Nobody yeah. else would go. Yeah, exactly. A bunch of cowards. Eh? <laughs> Good old St. <Saint> Romanus. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know what's interesting about this, though, is, like, the actual, the beast was wasn't found in any records until the year 1394 which is significantly after the alleged you know the story and the death of romanus okay and so it's sort of reserved as just mere legend but you know could could it be based in some sort of truth right like the account describes how this thing lived in the wild bogs and swamps in the left bank of the oh my gosh i'm gonna butcher this the sign the scene is that the sign sign okay let's go with that a massive (laughs) serpent I'm just leaning on you for this now for pronunciation stuff. It's like Seinfeld, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't even know. Yeah. Like Romanus was the only one they could find to help them slay this beast, right? The townspeople were all too afraid. So he goes and gets it with this convict, brings it back, like subdues it somehow, uses his robe. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive. He subdued it with the sign of the cross. Yeah, right. and then he restrained it with a leash made from his robe. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, though. Like, that's pretty basic <laughs> it's tactics. It's basic, it's I basic. Mean, that's pretty He's impressive. using the power of Christ, I right. think, with yeah. the cross. That, that kind is of stuff. The, definitely the point of the story, I think, it for is. sure. It's definitely, 
drenched in that sort of yagen yeah, Christian conversion narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but the story just gets so weird though, because he brings this thing back to town because he he wasn't going to kill it there because the townspeople needed to see it. Right. They wanted right. to know that this thing wasn't going to be bothering them anymore. Mm-hmm. So he brings it back into the town square where it could be burned. Like, burned right out front of the cathedral there, right? It's like a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big, big barbecue, yeah, for the townspeople. I wonder. Or what do they do? You. What's that called when they roast a pig on the spit? It's like a big... Is there like uh, a special name for that? It's like a luau. Well... A luau. <laughs> <laughs> You're just... <laughs> I don't think they were having one of those. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, my God. Okay, I'll stop. Taken away, taken away from the legend here, I would. No one does. So, but that, this is the weird part. So he brings it back into the town square. They light this thing on fire and it's being burnt alive. Essentially the, the beast dies, but the head for whatever mysterious reason was left completely unburnt. Hmm. So they, they're like kind of freaked out by this and they summarily hang it outside of the cathedral because it wouldn't burn as a Hmm. warning against evil and any other similar Things like it, right? And so okay. the serpent is obviously very much linked to the devil and symbolism of that. Yeah. But that's a kind of a cool origin story of gargoyles. It was this head that wouldn't burn. So it's very much the, like the grotesques yeah. and the, uh, the monstrous stone heads. That's crazy talk. So they didn't just leave it unburned purposely. No. It was it like would just not would not burn. burn. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that's bizarre, right? I honestly, I'd probably throw that thing in the ocean or something. <laughs> probably wouldn't hang it, <laughs> but maybe... Throw it in the ocean. I don't know. Get yeah, I mean... Sink it with some lead. You'd uh, have to wonder, like, okay, obviously this is a, a story, a legend, a folktale. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, if, if like, just pretending it's a real story and you're around in this time, yeah, that seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Don't you think? Like, what, what if, if there's it, another one? Well, exactly. Or what if it's, like, the thing... Where it could just, like, split off into a million different... It's like Medusa's Oh, head. that's actually a good point. Like, right? if the head's not burning, maybe it, the head is just going to keep doing its thing and grow another body. Well, exactly. We don't get that, I mean, though. obviously, that didn't happen. We're kind of, uh... <laughs> we're just making up another side of the legend now. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. more interesting. And then it became, like, the head and the thing where it's just the legs sprout out. I was yeah! like... Yeah! <laughs> yeah, no, that didn't happen. Didn't happen. That was such a good part Romanus of handled the situation. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. He did. But that's just interesting, right? So we get a lot of these sort of connections to the church. Um, And again, like I kind of alluded to already, like this idea that there were a lot of pagan practitioners that kind of needed to um, be appealed to. And so that was one way that they could use symbology for these people that were largely illiterate, right? And yeah, so they would use a lot of different... um, Different, well, not a lot of different. There, there was so many different amalgamations of different animals. Those were called chimeras. Yeah. Uh, there would also be imaginary creatures, so fairies, dragons, all that kind of stuff. You get the mythical ones, and then you get ugly human faces, yep. which is just freaky. Yeah. So it's like demonic faces we're talking here. Yeah. Some of them can be laughing. We do get that. Even on the Notre Dame, there are some that are laughing, but there are others that are like not very friendly looking right. at all. And then you just get more, yeah, like you were talking about with the lion. So known species of animals. Yeah. Which and are, yeah, more ancient, right? Like a lot of the earlier, or sorry, later ones that came in the Gothic era were a little bit more edging towards the mythical or, yeah, these chimera type 
um, yeah, chimeras, and then also like the the demonic, the yeah, yeah the uh, depictions of things related to heaven and hell mm-hmm. and the church. Exactly. But the, yeah, you, are you going to give the difference between well, like that, a grotesque? Yeah, exactly. So there are two different categories we're talking about here. So basically, the gargoyle has a function, right? So we're it's meant to expel water, like we said, it has that connotation with the throat. Um, but grotesques on the other side of things are just decorative and they can be quite elaborate too and it's not really known like i would honestly care to take a stab or guess at it and say that it's mostly for protection for symbolic reasons right and just to either commemorate certain um mythical figures or um yeah war against evil essentially Yeah, yeah and we did see an example of this with the celtic heads that were adorning the walls of castles in europe and and all that kind of stuff but yeah those are a little bit of a different sort of tradition obviously they all have their culturally specific connotations yeah but yeah there there's quite elaborate ones like we talked about right like there's marble carved ones there's all sorts of like like yeah like obviously stone was the most popular yeah. you get the ceramic ones in egypt all this kind of stuff and they could even be like gilded so like you get like gold gilded ones you get Fancy really painted like just like yeah very ornately painted ones as well and all of this was for a purpose, right? Beyond the symbolic purpose. So storytelling, it's huge, right? You need to use symbols that people understand when they're literate. And as the Roman Catholic Church was kind of gaining momentum in these sort of pagan provinces as they're expanding further into Europe and gaining these territories, um, they were, of course, constructing a lot of churches and cathedrals, all that kind of stuff. So essentially, they were trying to spread the message of God through these depictions. And it did appeal to pagans to see familiar faces, like familiar pagan gods represented in different ways. Mm -hmm. And, And then, of course, you get like the other side of it, too, which is the stained glass depiction. So it's a melding of it all. Right. And it's meant to sort of like just guide them towards the church right yeah and even like you said you make that comment about oh yeah they kept the christmas tree because they had to keep elements of that kind of stuff in order to just yeah to win people over exactly yeah yeah absolutely yeah it is really interesting when you think about it just the idea of telling a story through the windows and through the stone art objects on the sides of buildings yeah like an entire story exactly and it sounds like it sounds weird but really that's what it was and it's just people walking by it's crazy mm-hmm. it's crazy to think and they would see it it would be it, it would have a lot of power over people you yeah. can imagine right like even today right we, we stand in all of these things yeah. still like that would be pretty amazing if you come from like say like a very simple not i'm not gonna say simple but definitely not the austere grandiose types of constructions that the romans and the, the catholics were responsible for in absolutely this, well the romans first and then the roman catholic church later on. later on. No, absolutely. no 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 for sure and they, they but they took influences from different things uh, yeah across europe and it's just yeah the the it's very intimidating yeah what the the, 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 the architecture the architecture exactly it's like yeah. almost like these people must have the power of god because because of this right, right. like it's a very impressive display definitely yeah, so like we alluded to, there's a lot of different um, representations, a lot of symbology behind different animals, and we just pulled this from Naked History, and this is, is this just a blog or is this a podcast, Andrew? That's a good question. It mm-hmm. just, uh, it, this was just from their website, so this was just okay, an we'll article just on uh, gargoyles, mm-hmm. but um, they just kind of listed a uh, some examples of chimeras and gargoyles and stuff. 
Yeah. But. So we thought this was kind of cool. We're going to go through a few of them and kind of chit chat about it. Um, so one of the most, okay, dogs. Dogs. What do you think of when you think of a dog? You think loyal, you think obedience, you think, I guess, maybe intelligence. But you also think guarding the gates of hell. Oh, true. Actually, yeah. So you can have devilish looking dogs too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, but it's interesting because, yeah, like I they do symbolize loyalty to a certain extent, I would say. Definitely. Um, the ideal guardian for a building. Sure. Know, that yeah, kind of thing. for sure. Yeah. Even better though, the lion. Better guardian. That's true. But all these kind of have their faults too. So for the dog, we get um, this idea of like greed, perhaps. Um, it's like a reminder of this temptation of greed. Okay. Uh, with the lion, there's this sin of pride. So ah, there's different different elements here. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, there's bravery, redemption, nobility, all symbolized within the lion as well. Um, which is makes a lot of sense, right? When you're thinking of ancient Greece, why they would have used the lion. Not only because it would symbolize the sun, but because of all these other things too. Totally. Um, wolves, like the, yeah, wolves, that's pretty intimidating, right? So feared, but obviously represents leadership too. Yeah. Um, protection, like, you know, kind of fierceness. And yeah, just like a kind of a, a spiritual being kind of thing. It's really oh, yeah. in tune. The, the, you know what? I, honestly, like of all the creatures you think of as being spiritual creatures, like the wolf kind of takes the cake. A lot mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. in depictions in mythology and, and folklore and things like that, right? Especially in North America, obviously. Definitely over here, yeah, for sure. Uh, we get a few more here. There's eagles. What do you think of when you think of an eagle? Oh, I mean, powerful. Mm-hmm. I think of Thunderbird is the first thing I think of. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, noble creatures, I guess, too. I don't know. Yeah. Also used as a metaphor for foresight. So that's interesting. That makes sense, like, because they're always perched and, like, looking out ahead into the horizon. Exactly. The other, the more negative connotation is, um, oh, like, how do I describe this? Like, uh, arrogance. Like, you know, right. turning away, not facing, like, kind right. of that sort of thing. Um, the serpent, that... <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Sin. Envy. Sin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's nothing but sin. But also used to promote the idea that um, the fight um, against temptation is kind of, like, you know, right. the apple and all that, whatever, Bad Adam and Eve, Eve story, and sure. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, next we got goats. <laughs> goats. Yeah. Um, so I am thinking of Hexum when I think of that. Yeah. I'm <laughs> thinking that, of Black Phillip. <laughs> Black Phillip. Yeah. yeah, Black Phillip. Let, I me, wonder. let me slip in a proper pronunciation here. Hexum? Hexum. All right. I, I was corrected in an email, and thank you very much for yeah. reaching out to us, Alan. We appreciate it. Well, we definitely it. don't want to be referring to canned meat, so... I don't know. Maybe there's a market there. Or was it fermented meat? What Hexed was it? ham. It was weird. Actually, if you're going to buy cursed meat, I don't know huh, who's going to go for that. It's hexed <laughs> ham. It's hexed witch, ham. witchcraft ham. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> but thanks, Alan. We appreciate yeah, that we letter. Yeah, we do. We really do. That was really awesome. <laughs> but anyways, um, and then last but certainly not least, we got the monkey... Monkey. Monkey. I think of, like, impishness, like, childish when I think of monkey, but apparently it was more so... Yeah. What do you think of? Well, this is unrelated, but it makes me think of, like, the uh, hear no evil, see no evil, (gasps) speak no evil... The monkeys! With the monkeys. Oh, that's classic. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. But, you know, obviously, these are just some of the prominent ones. There's... I'm honestly a huge list of animals we could have listed exactly. here, right? Like, there's so many. And if you think about it, right, imagine combining the monkey with the serpent. Then you get a chimera of sorts, or like a wolf and an eagle. <laughs> you sound like Gene. <laughs> you're reminding me of Gene from Bob's Burgers right now. I don't know why. 
Like, monkey goats, yeah. Monkey goats. <laughs> Shark boss. <laughs> what did he, when he was trying to come up with his uh, beef squatch name? <laughs> what was it? It was Big Beef? <laughs> Bigfoot? <laughs> Big Beef. I don't know. I yeah, that's not a winner. <laughs> I'm feeling goofy right now. Me too, actually. I don't know. Something, Gargoyles are making us this. weird right now. Yeah, which is funny, right? I feel like we should be a little bit more... I don't even know. Well, yeah, because of the uh, <laughs> the sort of dark, gothic, medieval nature of the story. Yeah, it's like it's this was. I don't think many other people were giggling and laughing. Let's just say that. Well, they're literally walking by, <laughs> trying to figure out how horrible their lives are, and looking up and seeing demonic faces on exactly. the sides of buildings. Literally, like, like devouring giants, looking down at you. Yeah, they're made of stone. You're like, that's great. Yeah, watch one episode of Gargoyles, a cartoon, and you think that guy could just spring to life. <laughs> Just, just devour me, or even like it reminds me of um, uh, the first Ghostbusters with that epic hound from hell type oh, thing yeah, that comes yeah, from yeah, the yeah. rock. Totally freaky man. Well, and like okay, that's where we're kind of moving into now because people did obviously have a a mythology around these things. It was mm-hmm. more than just storytelling. People people believe them to be supernatural. Okay. okay, so there's lore based around the gargoyle in medieval times, and we watched a documentary. Um, where there was a bunch of people featured in it, but two of the prominent ones, and I wrote it down here, um, a guy, this is supposed to be Halpin. (laughs) Stephen Halpin. Classic typo from Ben (laughs) Andrew here. Um, Stephen Halpin, Catholic (laughs) university professor from the U.S., um, and uh, Paula Gerson, she is was the head of the International Museum of Medieval Art. Cool. This was an older documentary. This was back it in, was. in the 90s, I think. Yeah. So they're probably no longer in these positions, but just to, <laughs> just to throw a reference. But I had some bullet points that were interesting. So they made these points about the medieval time and, and, and how gargoyles were perceived. So they were seen as embodying all the frightening dimensions of transcending between worlds. Ooh. So especially for pe- like pagan, non, you know, like illiterate people, yeah. they were seen as, especially the ones depicted as demons, that they were like physical markers of a crossing point, essentially. Crazy. And that they could come to life, very huh. much like depicted in the TV show. Yeah. Now, they weren't specific on whether or not they came to life and like flew off the building. Okay. But they were more than just stone. They were, they had... Metaphysical has, elements to them. They were okay. alive in some sense an of the essence. word. An essence. Almost like, okay, well, we just binged Daimajin, um, all three of them. Yeah. And that is essentially, they call it, yeah, it's like a, a Majin, which is like a god of sorts, I guess, like a spirit or something, uh, a protector, a guardian. Right. So this is and, a Japanese monster movie. Just oh, so sorry. Know. Yeah, yeah. Jap- epic movie. Really cool. Check it out. Yeah. Um, but Daimajin, yeah, so he essentially exists as a stone figure, a massive stone statue, until he comes to life when he is needed, right? When his people call on him in times of hardship and corruption and all this stuff. But that essentially reminds me of that too, hey? So very similar. Like, you pray to the stone thing. Well, they weren't essentially praying to them, but they regarded them with a lot of respect and, you know, these yeah, types of things. Definitely. But that's, yeah, sorry, that was my other, that's no, my Eastern no, reference. There you go. There you go. No, because obviously there's stone, uh, yeah, like, um, I want to say entities because we, that implies that they are, but, yeah. um, you know what I mean? Like obviously gargoyle-esque objects exactly. in Eastern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they go on to mention a few interesting things in this documentary. I mean, obviously we know that the, the belief, the, sort of overarching mainstream trope of gargoyles is that they were to protect not only the churches and castles they were on, but the city they were in, Mm -hmm. and that they would come 
come to life, and the ones that were winged would actually leave their perch and watch over the city. Cool. And I think that was maybe something these people were hoping for. You right. know, like they were they they would want to believe that that they had that they were being watched over mm-hmm. by something. Yeah. Maybe something a little bit more that they could that tangible than God because they can actually see it on the building. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um but obviously these were superstitious times. This was hilarious. I had to include this. Um yeah, so superstitious in fact that in 1394 a pig was tried and hung for sacrilege for eating a communion waiter. <laughs> Um, a chicken was tried and killed for blasphemy. How exactly does a chicken commit blasphemy? Maybe he pooped on a crucifix or something. <laughs> I, I guess. Blasphemy! Blasphemy! Kill the heretic! <laughs> yeah. Um, so these were times when people believed in some crazy stuff. So yeah. that, that, that just accentuates that, obviously. Mm-hmm. And we touched on a bit of this in sort of the modern conception of the ancient Celtic tradition when right. we were talking about uh, the Hexham heads mm-hmm. and the faces of the Celts. They were yeah. known for their grotesques, not for their gargoyles. So right. the human faces with very little detail, which makes them so creepy. Mm-hmm. Like it would literally be this giant face on a wall and it's just like a tiny little slit for a mouth, two little dots for eyes and no nose. And it's like, that's the most horrifying thing in the world. It is. It's terrifying. And we don't really know the symbology behind it other than that they had a cult around the head. Yeah. Well, it was the seat of the soul. Seat of the soul. That's all I know. (laughs) That's right. But yeah, so we're kind of getting into it now. We're going to get into the sort of concept of these gargoyles being alive, perhaps being cryptid creatures. And there are sightings of these in modern times. That's right. So basically, yeah, it comes from this long-lived belief that these stone things could come to life and this long-seated tradition, I would say, of this mythology. But can can these come to life? This, This is the question. And people have described things that can only be considered gargoyles, in my opinion. And there are a lot of cryptids that are more mainstream that honestly kind of fall into this category a little bit. Yeah. And so we're going to get into this a little bit. Before we do, though, we're going to take a quick promo break here. And this is for Perhaps It's You podcast. Cool. Which is really fun. And it's uh, it's hosted by Samantha and Liz. They're a delight. Yeah. And they talk about all things Unsolved Mysteries. And it's all from the classic TV series Unsolved Mysteries. So basically, this is the perfect podcast for fans of TV recaps, true crime, paranormal and just the right amount of babbling sweet (laughs) so yeah give them a go were you traumatized as a child by watching unsolved mysteries do you like to judge facial hair (laughs) guess what we have a podcast for you can you believe it it's called perhaps it's you and it is an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Samantha. I'm Liz. We're two cool mystery ants, not really, <laughs> watch an episode of Unsolved Mysteries each week and tell you about it. We update you if any of the mysteries have been solved. We rate the episode on a scale of Robert Stacks. We can give episodes a possible five out of five Robert Stacks, although it rarely happens. Very rarely. We also complain about what everyone is wearing. And it doesn't really matter if you know anything about Unsolved Mysteries or not. You should tune in because it's the number one podcast on iTunes. Yeah, you can find us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, most podcast platforms. You can also check out our website, perhapsitsyou.com, or find us on the social medias at Perhaps It's You. And get out there and solve some mysteries, bitches! Yeah! (laughs) And we're back. 
So make sure you guys go check out Perhaps It's You podcast. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we are migrating into the craziness side of this episode. We've given (laughs) you the history. We've buttered you up. Yep. (laughs) And we're kind of working with two sort of sides of this of this episode, I guess, of this belief that either gargoyles are real things that can come to life, mm-hmm. stone that can come to life, or they're based off of existing things that are already alive. Exactly. Demons, cryptic creatures, something else. Totally. And you know, it's kind of funny now that we're getting into this, I just had Castle Hoska pop in my head Ooh. because there were reported sightings from way back in the medieval eras of flying winged demons and I stuff. I forgot about that. That's crazy. That, yeah, coming out of the pit. Yeah. Alright, so first up on the docket came in uh, 1985. Well, not first up, but the first that we're going to talk about. <laughs> and that was the infamous NASA gargoyle. Alright, so this starts off... Um, it wasn't brought to public attention until well after the event happened. I don't have the year, but anyways. This was a story brought forth by a man named Frank Shaw. He was an archi- archivist sorry, working for the Houston Space Center. So he was working for NASA. And... Yeah, essentially, late one night, Shaw was working, and he had just uh, exited the facility and was walking towards his vehicle when he sighted a black, hulking monstrosity perched high on the ledge of one of the buildings. Okay. Okay? So, yeah. NASA, this is a pretty important facility, right? Houston. I'm not sure what, because there's a lot of different... um, centers around the like around America that yeah. are responsible for different things. And uh, I was just chatting with Chris um, a couple days ago about this Chris Birkenbine from a Dash of Science podcast. And he works for NASA. And so he, he doesn't work for Houston, but he works for the one in, um, oh, shoot. Oh, I can't remember which one. He's he in for. Northern California or Southern California? I thought he was, yeah, he's somewhere. <laughs> he's in California somewhere. But um, he said basically they operate as like autonomous agencies almost. like Interesting. Yeah, like the sort of um, work culture and policies and all of like the bureaucracies are very separate. So he didn't have a lot of insight into Houston specifically, but okay. he did say that um, he might have some friends that might be able to dig us and stuff. So maybe he knows more. But anyways, yeah, so Shaw... He was working in Houston, and he cited this crazy monstrosity that basically made him freeze in horror Yeah. as soon as he saw it. And essentially, the way he described it, and I'm not sure how he came to this conclusion, is that the creature allegedly took pleasure in his fright. And I'm not sure if that is in the form of, like, a joyful expression, like a grin of, like, a ghoulish devil kind of thing. That sounds creepy. I don't even know. But the creature apparently was completely still at the time of the sighting. And I don't know how long this lasted where Shaw was, like, frozen and just staring at this thing. But then all out of nowhere, he says he heard a terrific crackling noise and watched as this beast unfurled its great wings and began to fly like literally just took off and it was like great big strokes like i'm talking like thunderbird like strokes here and essentially it was yeah it was making an audible noise shaw just boom took off uh raced to his vehicle started the car and was roaring away before he could even like he he was too terrified to look back oh you don't look back when you see something like that i wouldn't i would just be flooring it the entire way that's like straight out of jeepers creepers it actually is yeah and i would honestly just make the safe assumption that that thing is 
yeah, ex- following you. Well, that the idea that it's taking pleasure in his fright definitely implies some sort of demonic entity of some kind. Right? Yeah, exactly. So you get the whole, yeah, a grotesque countenance. You get a hulking figure that's winged and looked like it had like a cape at first is kind of how he described it as it was sitting on the side of the building. And... Yeah, and then you get this thing taken off. So there's a lot of references to a gargoyle-like entity. So interestingly, um, Shaw, when he got home, his daughter and his wife were... They they saw that he was evidently, like, upset. And that he, he couldn't even gather himself, really, until the next day. And then he told them what happened. And they kind of begged him to just stay silent because of his job and he didn't want to lose his career. He didn't want to be ridiculed, all that, you know, basic normal stuff. stuff. Exactly. But he couldn't really, (laughs) he couldn't keep quiet. He couldn't keep this under, it was bothering him. And so essentially he ended up confiding into his superior. And I think this happened either a few weeks or a few months after the incident. And amazingly, there was a file already open on this phenomena at this space center, and it had been opened up months before Shaw had seen anything. Really? And it basically had been created in response to these brutal slangs and an exsanguination of two German Shepherd patrol dogs that had been working for the space center. They were found one night, um, yeah, brutally slain and inexplicable. Weird. I don't actually know. This This story is vague, and you don't get the details like, was there someone with the dog? Like, wh- was there someone that sighted a creature flying away into the night or something? Like, you know, you don't get that, so yeah. I'm not sure so how... So it's a bit of a leap to connect them, even. Well, that's just it, right? Like, I'm not sure if there's just more detail that was left out, or if... The, yeah, exactly that. It's kind of a leap. But essentially, after Shaw confided into a superior, despite his superior's reassurances that he wasn't actually crazy, um, he was subjected to, quote-unquote, intense interrogation, men in black style, before he was released. And um, Shaw apparently, oh, he kept silent for about 15 years. So this is more than a decade and a half, right? So It's a long time. It does kind of make you think that he was very disturbed by this and either that or he was disturbed by the aftermath and his treatment but yeah essentially they released their experience to the public no one else has really come forth in the area i don't think with similar stories but just to kind of pepper in a dose of skepticism here um yeah like i was talking to chris about this and he (coughs) kind of (laughs) he had his own ideas you know he's very he very level-headed about this type of thing and um he kind of said that it kind of seems ridiculous that Shaw would have been subjected to this type of quote-unquote intense interrogation and that there isn't really a sort of like an arm of the NASA sort of institute that is similar to like what you would get with like the NSA or like the CIA or FBI like they're not really like militarized is I don't know that's yeah. not his exact phrasing but you know what I mean like yeah like they're not, not as intense exactly Does, he kind of alluded it or compared it to like a bank security guard with like just a few more resources <laughs> okay does it actually say that it was like NASA employees doing that though or was it outside oh you know like what if, I mean if, like was it like was he being inter- being interrogated by because that's what makes it kind of vague right true like MIB style was there MIBs there Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that obviously wasn't a part of the story. Like the classic Men in Black showing up and interrogating, interrogating him about something. But 
Yeah. It's a strange story, though. This is vague. It Yeah, it is vague. And the fact that, like, you can take it any which way you want, but yeah. it's, it's interesting, to say the least. Absolutely. And it actually goes by the nomenclature gargoyle, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very relevant for this episode. Because he couldn't think of any any way else to describe it, mm-hmm. which is just absolutely fascinating. And, and on of, the again, end of the building. It's just one of those situations where, I mean, this is so classic and paranormal. It's such a, such a trope of evidence where you have a, a quote unquote, like I'm air quoting here, people, a, mm-hmm. you know, credible witness. Yeah. Right? Someone from the FAA, someone from NASA, someone from the Air Force, someone from, you know, a police officer, mm-hmm. this and that and the other thing. And then the fact that he comes out with it 15 years later, mm-hmm. didn't write a book about it, no profiteering, no this, no that. So it, a lot of it falls into that, you know, that side of like, you know, this seems to be like a real story. Like he's genuine. At I, least, right? Yeah, I would hope so. And if that's the case, then he obviously saw something. And people do see weird things in Texas, mm-hmm. including giant birds. True. Thunderbirds. Yep. Um, and other strange flying things. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of things it could have been and, and it's all weird stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> all unknown. whether or not he's actually crazy or not, it's like, you know, saying a gargoyle. Who knows, right? Yeah, exactly. But he's that's that's not the only the only one. No. So this is quite a bit later. This is a 2010 sighting in Spain, and it was actually it wasn't a Spanish uh, Spanish uh, national. It was a British guy by the name of Alex Nars. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Alex Nasserch. Narisk. Na- no. N a s i r c. Nasserch. Nasserch. Cool. I'm just gonna go with Alex. <laughs> so anyway, he was uh, spending some time in Spain, and he was he was interviewed by Cryptozoology News about his uh, account after the fact. So he was living in Santa Maria del Aguila, Almaria. Wow, Ooh. in southern Spain, and this was in September of 2010. And uh, here's a quote from him: He was in uh, the south of south of I was in south of Spain for nearly one year. I was always a nature enthusiast, so I traveled a lot. And it was around 1 a.m. I heard something. I, th- I heard something. I thought it was someone in trouble. My instincts told me there is a woman who is having some terrible trouble, and she might be in a lot of pain. At some point, I was annoyed that I had to witness this because I knew it wasn't an owl. So this is like he's walked over to the terrace, huh. right? Uh-huh. So he goes over to the terrace and he sees what's going on. And essentially, it's just it blows his mind. It's absolutely bizarre. Really? So I was about to go, he, he goes on to say this. So he's looking out over the terrace at this point. He's not actually out on it. Yeah. I was about to go over and into the terrace when I saw something big coming over the building, like across from him. Hmm. And in that instance, the noise was made again. I literally froze. I wanted to duck, but I was, I was too amazed. So what Alex saw was a strange winged animal over the rooftops. He goes on to say, it looked like a dog with wings. I couldn't see the front legs, just the rear ones. It didn't seem to have front legs. It was heavy. The way it flapped its wings looked like it either it was either tired or about to fall to the ground. The legs were hanging. It seemed featherless. It looked like skin. It had a pale color. It looked pinkish. And then shortly after, uh, the creature disappeared out of sight. But after he had kind of calmed down later on or whatever, he was able to write down a better description. Mm-hmm. And so he... he he goes on to say, this is what he saw in more description. An animal with a thick, short beak. It looked like a carnivore's nose. The head seemed to be stretched at the back. A bulky torso or body, curved wings with arms 
look alike, which is a contradiction to earlier account where he said that it, it, it <clears throat> excuse me, it only looked like it had back legs. Oh, I think that he kind of just means like curved wings that were like look alike to arms. Oh, okay. So it's like the, the wings are kind of like coming around mm-hmm. like this as if it's like arms hanging out front. Yeah. Like curved bat wings is what I'm picturing, yeah, I guess, of, right? Yeah, exactly. That's weird. That's really a weird. weird description. Yeah. He goes on to say that this span was about two to three meters wide, about nine to ten feet Thick, powerful back legs, a long, thin tail, heavy, slow movement with the pale color, like we said. The size of a massive dog or like a lion or a tiger. Wow. Bizarre. No feathers and no scales. Interesting. So, Smooth I mean, skin. that's pretty detailed description. That's crazy. Um, I love and, that. And, uh, yeah, so... I'm like, okay, so he didn't actually see it do anything. It was just like he heard the sound. Yeah. He went outside because he thought it was someone in pain. Right. Maybe this thing was in pain. Maybe it was crying out because it was injured. injured Because he did say this whole thing where he's like, it looked like it was going to fall to the ground. Just like tired or struggling. Yeah. That's crazy. Weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. A short beak, like a carnivore's nose. And I think, I guess he must mean like a... Like a raptor, I don't know. Okay. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like a, a thick, short beak. Like an eagle or a falcon. Or like a... curved, yeah, exactly. Or even like, well, even yeah, just like a more <laughs> quintessential demonic gargoyle. Fit. You know what I mean? Like the where it looks like, um, it kind of like yeah, it's just like more it's like a, bit a more snout protru- protruding, yeah, off the face. A snouty beaky thing. Sure. I don't know. That that, that is that is definitely. Uh, yeah, strange though. But essentially sees it in the same kind of circumstances as the NASA gargoyles, just sort of yeah. like on or over a building, not yeah. really doing a whole lot. No. But he also felt pretty freaked out. Exactly. Um, we never actually got a color from the NASA gargoyle. I'm assuming he just like described it as like black or dark, dark. or whatever. But he never described a tail. I guess he was too much in a hurry to get to his car. He didn't actually look back and see it in flight per se. Right. But he did see it take off. And there was this like I don't even, he says a crackling sound. I almost like picture that as like either like, yeah, just like the sound of something unfurling, right? Where it's like this like power, almost like a flag or something. You know what I mean? Like the, the, yeah. Well, you know what I picture with that? It's like, yeah, it's like the unfurling of a flag, but that like crackling grinding Mm -hmm. sound is like, because it's, it's like bones. It's like, it's like, (laughs) like, as it like, um, you know what I mean? Like the classic, like morphing into something or whatever and mm-hmm. it's just the sound of bones snapping into place exactly yeah it's like it's almost like houdini right where you have to uh <laughs> <laughs> just, just look at your, your shoulders shoulder. yeah <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> so there was another sighting in, two, in 2010 and actually there's been a whole bunch over the years in puerto rico oh yeah hot but spot. there's sort of these weird discrepancies because puerto rico is also a hot spot sighting for chupacabra mm. and Chupacabras don't fly in in the in their description and sightings, right? Right. Um, they're described as almost more reptile esque in their appearance a lot of the time. Chupacabra. Um, yeah, um, which is why it's kind of reserved to this weird realm between cryptozoology and possibly extraterrestrial sort of area of, okay. of cryptozoology. But this pun's weird because in 2010. There were several people, but I'll, the, this one main guy, um, Edgaro Santiago Rodriguez of Barcelonita in northern Puerto Rico, he was the first of a bunch of people in this neighborhood to report sighting creatures that were gargoyle-esque, 
but a whole lot smaller. So mm-hmm. he claimed that these gargoyles were about f- four feet tall. So like, you know, or sorry, about five feet tall, muscular build with four foot wingspans. Oh, yeah. So these are much, much smaller than what we've seen described so far. Mm-hmm. They're like little miniature gargoyles. <laughs> little babies. Um, <laughs> and the people in this community are claiming that they're finding chickens, goats, and other animals completely devoid of blood. Sucked, oh. sucked dry. Same like with the German shepherds in the NASA incident. So, NASA. 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 So what's that, what's that for, uh, term again? Um, for Exsanguinated. Ex- yeah, right. So that is also what the chupacabra is known for. Okay. Fi- finding animals with, you know, complete no blood left, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's odd. So similar to, yeah, okay. So similar to the NASA gargoyle, I didn't really make that connection there. But that's... That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So there's multiples in this case, right? right? So more than one. So okay. witnesses uh, said to local media that what they saw was not the, chupa, not the chupacabra, but still similar. So human-like in form, but with wings, but unlike the reptilian-esque body known with the chupa. Hmm. But that's... Yeah. I mean, so far we've just seen these things described as solitary creatures or solitary entities. Yeah. So this is like a little troop of gargoyles. That's interesting. It also reminds me of like... Not like imps, but like kind of like imps or something, or something like, like cupids. That. Yeah, classic <laughs> amber yawn. I need so a coffee. So there, there was a. I, I found this other blog too, and I tried to vet the source, and I couldn't really. I couldn't find anything to kind of back it up. But apparently, there was a translated article um, claiming that one of the people from this community had actually been attacked. So it, animals had been attacked, and even a human. What? So the quote from this was like a translation, and um, we will obviously we'll have all of this in our sources and all labeled, so you guys can go check this out. But somebody basically claimed that like the man was injured in his stomach; his abdominal fat could be seen. This was noted by a witness. And described the injuries suffered by the man in his belly and his back caused uh, as if by an animal's claws. Mm, freaky. It's like slashed apart. Yeah. His abdominal fat could be seen. Yeah. By a gargoyle. <laughs> like, that's crazy, But his, right? his blood wasn't drained. Yeah. And he um, wasn't killed, right? He wasn't killed. What did um, he say? Well, okay, I don't think he ended up saying anything, but the police officer that was sort of, like, on the scene, so this Mm -hmm. guy was allegedly, yeah, I mean, again, couldn't vet this, but this is an officer by the name of Miguel Negron, Mm -hmm. and he stated that he had not seen anything that day, but several months earlier, while patrolling the same area, he, along with another officer, heard the beating of extremely powerful wings as if something was propelling itself off of the the roof of a... (laughs) of a mill that they were passing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he, yeah, I don't know. He, the, the other officer indicated that it just could have been something gargoyle like very large bird. Crazy. Um, but in this instance, they claim to have smelt a sulfuric or very rotten odor. Ooh, often associated with the paranormal or demonic. Oh yeah. And that as well. Well, that's paranormal obviously too, Mm -hmm. but specifically. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know, like, is this linked to just extreme Catholic faith and some kind of paranoia and thinking you're seeing demons? Yeah, and you're actually seeing, like, a terror <laughs> <laughs> And you're actually seeing a, a massive thunderbird. Yeah. 
Much more likely, yes, much more. Oh, yes, yeah. much, much more. <laughs> but we're getting this in all, like, we're kind of just moving further and further south here, because now we've got a sighting in Chile. This was the same year, too, so Actually, you know what? I, I meant to remove that. I wasn't oh. sure if this was 2010. Oh, you weren't I sure? I couldn't find if it was... That seems odd, right? Like, I kept going down and being like, all these, all these articles seem to be 2010, but this one definitely was Puerto Rico sighting, and same with the one in Spain. But I feel like when those came out, people must have just been like, gargoyles got to write about it. So there was yeah. a whole bunch of gargoyle articles in the same year. Okay, so this has no date. No, no <laughs> date. Just a cool story. It is a cool story. And this came from, yeah, like we said, Chile. And it was, uh, it's a port city, so it came just outside of Arnica. And this is in northern Chile, so we're not quite down, down south, but Pampa Acha was the sort of name of the rural area. Mm-hmm. And there was a young family that basically encountered this bizarre flying creature. And there was multiple of them, and they could only describe these as gargoyles, because what else do you describe it as? <laughs> yeah. So the story goes that Carlo Tor, Carlos, Carlo, Tor, I don't know. Carlos um, Torre. Torre, okay, you pronounce the E, along with his wife and two children, um, were beginning a journey towards Arnica to visit their family. And that evening, with a very bright full moon setting and the high beams of his truck, there was a really freaky thing. (laughs) And yeah, so essentially it was a pair. Um, The eldest daughter, Carmen, uh, she was the first one to notice it. And essentially, she just saw it through the back truck of the window. (laughs) Could you imagine? Like, these things are just, like, floating behind you as you're traveling. Yeah. Um, Later on, she would actually state that she first noticed something floating behind the vehicle. Didn't really know what it was. Uh, This is a quote from her. Quote, I was traveling in the back seat with my brothers, talking, and suddenly everything went dark. Then I told my brother what I was seeing, and he told me to keep quiet because mom gets nervous. Later, I looked through the window and saw some things that looked like birds with giant, sorry, with dog's head and back swept wings. Hmm. My father said they were like gargoyles, end quote, from Mysterious Universe. Interesting. So that was her take on it. So essentially we're getting a very similar description here, a dog-like head, yeah. um, back swept wings. That's, yeah. Like so that it's like weird... arm wings, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. it's more than just, yeah, a set of wings on the back. Yeah. Um, but this gets even stranger. So essentially, these creatures were described as approximately six, six feet in length. And so that is, I, I believe they were estimating the wingspan. Yeah. And this was the children that were estimating this. So, you know, you gotta give them tape a little bit. Sure. And it is dark too. But the parents did take notice. So Carlo and his wife, Teresa, said that they actually did see the entities as they were gaining speed. Um, and they actually, they, they overtook the car. So they were initially flying in the back and then yeah. they just sped over top swooped while they were top. driving yeah. and swooped over them. And essentially, they were just keeping pace with them. And this was about 60 miles an hour they were going. Pretty fast. So they're speeding down the road now. And this is kind of like a high speed. This is like a Charlie Red Star situation here. A little bit. It's freaky dinky, man. So they traveled like this for quite a while. And nothing really happened. It's not like... it's not like they were outright attacked. No. Apparently, though, the entities did sort of leap in front of the truck. And they kind of, like, had these weird, um, strong hind legs that were shorter than these upper legs. So very dog-like, very... I'm I'm picturing something that's very dependent on the use of its wings, so therefore the back legs wouldn't be as well-defined. Definitely. And this was from Carlo himself. So 
He says here that he managed to avoid a collision with these gargoyles, um, and he sped up the truck, uh, eventually escaping the creatures, even though, like we said, they were actually never outright attacked by them. They were just kind of keeping pace and kind of swooping in and out and doing all these weird things just to the truck. messing with them. Messing with them. Kind of like gremlins, right? It's yeah. like these are super-sized gremlins. That's kind of what I'm thinking here. So essentially, they arrived at their destination and told their family, um, but swore them to secrecy. Apparently, only later, um, their account came out. And this was from an officer from a local military base. So essentially he was working with Carlo and uh, he came forward with a similar sighting. Um, And I guess after that, they were just like, well, let's make this public. So they came out with their own story. And I guess the Chilean press was very um, quick to sort of jump on this. Uh, (laughs) But they actually were quite uh, skeptical, I Mm -hmm. guess. Um, And they were basically trying to claim that witnesses were seeing ostriches. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'm not sure how it would be ostriches because they can't fly. How would you keep pace at 60 miles an hour? Well, I'm sure they can run that fast, but they can't fly. True, So, like, I mean, maybe that that seems pretty fast. They can't run that fast. They can run pretty fast, but we don't know. Miles per hour, though? 60? What's what's that in kilometers? Oh, that's like 90 kilometers, I think. think 120, even. That's too fast. They can't run that fast. No, they can't run that fast. Ridiculous, right? So, yeah, I guess the Chilean press isn't as forgiving as the Mexican press. No, that's that's the classic, um, oh, oh gosh, what's the guy's name? The owl guy. Oh. (laughs) Everything's an owl. Oh, they probably just saw a couple owls. Skeptoid. Actually, I'm surprised nobody's just suggested that. Because owls actually fly. True, and they do have short, they have short little nubbies. You know what that description reminded me of too, because the dog-like head, so that's Mm -hmm. the similarity, but the longer front limbs and short back limbs reminds me, well, reminds me of the Windigo Mm -hmm. descriptions when we were doing the Spirit of the North episode. It also is kind of almost like the, um, like a, like a werewolf, like a, like, um, what are those called? Like the, the, what's the term? For a werewolf, like um, l- something li- or like a lichen, a lichen or something like that, right? Where it's almost like wolf esque, but they've got these weird, longer like perfect picture Professor Lupin from um, Harry Potter when he yeah. when he changes, right? And he's got those crazy long arms, but like shorter back legs. Oh yeah, and it's all tall and like out like this. Yeah, weird, right? Like big bad wolf. And so that's sort of these that that's that's tied into a lot of these entities that are like I seemingly don't know, linked to. Hell or something? <laughs> yeah, are they coming out of like I don't even know? They're coming like, out of a Castle Hoska pit. <laughs> Somebody dug a hole in Puerto Rico, and these things are just coming out. Of here. I don't know. Or maybe it's in. that new cave that they found in BC that we just read about this don't morning. Don't say that. I don't know, man. That thing's like not even that far away from us. I know, right? Wells Gray. That's like a few hundred kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, this wasn't the end of it. Here, apparently, in the same year. Um, again, so we're getting three sightings now. So we've got the police officer coming forward with his own little whatever, which we didn't really get too much of. We've got this family, and then we've got another sighting here, which happened actually um, near the capital, so Santiago. And um, this was in what's known as Parque Santiago Bustamante. It's a large park in the city. And uh, a strange winged creature was spotted flying from tree to tree. Weird. And I'm not sure what kind of owls they have in the neck of the woods, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And apparently it it wasn't as big as the other accounts, though. So no. there is this discrepancy. We have a, a size of about two feet off the ground. So that, to me, is very owl-like. Yeah. Um, I might side with the skeptoid there. I can't remember his name. Oh, I feel really bad. Don't feel that end, bad. Doesn't it? Don't feel that bad. <laughs> um, Joe Nickel. 
Jonagal, yeah, that's right. The, but there's a cool photo of this. Like, we'll include it. Um, it's already included in, in a couple of the sources, but we can put it up too. It mm-hmm. does look like a flying stingray thing. A flying stingray? It's, yeah, it's got this weird, like, t- skinny tail thing that comes out the back, but then, like, wings that look distinctively like like a fruit bat, like a very, okay. like a giant fruit bat. Yeah. And... Oh, is that the same picture that people are saying that could look like a really weird palm tree? No, that's a, uh, that's different. That's a different one. Um, that was one that people were claiming could look like a demon standing. Okay. So that was a photo from, I didn't actually inc- end up including it in our notes, but there was a photo taken. This was relative, relatively recent in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And it was a day when it was like a, I don't know, a minor dust storm or something like that. And it was, yeah. it was quite hazy. And the photo was like from someone sitting in their car, taking a picture across the street. And it looks like you know, a 40 foot tall demon standing there with its wings like unfurled. Yeah. And it's really freaky looking. And whoever took it was obviously freaked out. Yeah. But people speculate that's just a palm tree. It's like kind of a (laughs) deformed looking palm tree. And if you Hmm. unfocus your eyes, it does look like that. Okay. But it does also look like a giant 30 foot gargoyle standing there too. That's crazy. So it's kind of freaky deaky. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like that reminds me almost more like gremlin size obviously <laughs> like it uh, does yeah so we're getting a little bit of variation here we're getting more miniature forms we're getting ginormous forms like you know like up yeah. to nine foot wingspan type things um so maybe there's just maybe it's just the size of the stone that it's actually created from <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's my if favorite you're, if you're buying it it's coming from stone yeah well, yeah are we kind of migrating in towards like our related similar cases and trying to yeah. work this out like what the hell are, are these things i know right like yeah, I want you to kind of like give your conclusions here because sure, I mean, I like well, you're have some my problems. conclusions. Well, well not okay, really conclusions. You know what I mean. We've we've listed some similar cases that I want to talk about. Like I, I want to reference because they could very well be like you know gar- they are gargoyle esque. Yeah. like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think the most obvious. There's two really obvious ones here. Yeah. The first one we have listed here isn't the most obvious. Really? So. It, I think personally, the Mothman okay, is the yeah. most obvious cryptid paranormal case that is similar to these gargoyle sightings. Very and true. the NASA gargoyle sounds exactly like the description from, uh, I don't know if it was from John Keel, but in the book, where it was like the scene on the bridge, right? Like the, oh, like yeah. the Mothman up on the bridge, a winged creature, yep. like hanging off the side of the, mm. of it was the like tower grinning on too, the bridge. Wasn't it? Yeah. And they seem to be messing with it, too. And that sounds just like the NASA gargoyle. Yeah. So, is that that just... Houston to West Virginia? Is this the same thing? Mm -hmm. How big is its territory? Or how many are these things? Well, also, that was 85. So, like, when... That that was, what? How how many years after Mothman? Oh, I'd have to... What was that, 60? I'd have to jog my memory here. It was late 60s, right? I thought it was the 70s. Was it 70s? Yeah. Okay. But it was before, before 85, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I, it's so strange. And then I came, of course, we came across a few stories where people claim to keep seeing Mothman in Chicago oh, yeah. these days. Yeah. If you, if anybody listening is in Chicago or, you know, Boston or in the area nearby and has heard local stories, let us know. But yeah. I, I feel True. like, I feel like, gargo- I don't think gargoyles are coming to life. Oh, No. You no. think that they could possibly represent things that people have seen and, and sort of are amalgamations of creativity and sort of maybe these I other... I think so. Like, okay, I kind of have... It's a blended answer. I think stone objects can come to life. I just don't think gargoyles do. I think gargoyles are 
at least the modern modern as in like the medieval conception of gargoyles where we see them on catholic churches Mm -hmm. and on medieval castles that are closely tied to the catholic church yeah um and it was part of the stories there and that's how the legends grew true that's a good point. But, like, you referenced Daimajin. I definitely believe in, like, occult magic and objects being able to hold power. And that mm-hmm. includes things that possibly could become animate. This ties yeah. into things like the golem and things like that, too. Like, clay that can yeah. be brought to life. Well, and even with the instance or example of Daimajin and the idea that these could be perhaps spirits. They could be gods. They could be even, like, demigods, demigods or something like some that. Kind, yes. where, yeah, or even, like, um, the classic, right, where they've been sort of, like... Um, dethroned and sort of like uh, you know like they exist as these like demonic monstrosities of the things they formerly were perhaps that type of thing right Mm -hmm. well what's your take on all this I really like the idea that um, I I, I do tend to agree with what you've said I like the idea though that these things could be animated from stone and just kind of like maybe are tasked with certain things they don't really seem to be performing miracles or helping anyone (laughs) yeah Yeah, so that's kind of out the window there but i don't know maybe they're just kind of like these cursed things that just kind of exist in this universe maybe they're slipping in between the cracks right and they can uh, inhabit these stone bodies that become animate or maybe Ooh, not. Or, okay, okay. or I do like the idea, though, that the the stone is, yeah, just a representation of something that has been seen. Just right. like a Castle Holska. Yeah. And I'm sure if we dig deep enough, we're going to find other examples that are very similar of that. Right. Where we see um, winged creatures, demonic creatures coming out of, like, either caves or, like, these, like, yeah, like, portals to hell as yep. Castle Holska has been described. Um, but yeah, it's all fun to me. And I do like the connection that maybe this is just a very misunderstood cryptozoological entity or creature. In of some, some cases, sort. at a least. A Jersey anyway. devil, maybe. Or something, ah. You know what I mean? Like this, that's another one. And we do get other comparables here that we didn't really look into too much, but got like, you know, like the big bird of Rio Grande Valley, Texas. Yeah. We've got the owlman of Cornwall, the Ahul. Yeah. I listed the Ahul here just because it's a really interesting cryptid from the island of Java. And is essentially, allegedly, like a giant bat-like, gargoyle-esque looking Mm -hmm. creature that is an animal, right? Like, it isn't a part of um, really even, like, it's part of local lore, but it's not linked to any other mythology. Like, Mm -hmm. in their ancient history, it's just this cryptozoological phenomena, but sounds like a gargoyle. (laughs) Very Mm -hmm. much so. You know what I mean? That's cool. I never heard of it before. Yeah, so it's, um, uh, let's see here. So, located in the jungles on the island of Java, described as the size of around, like, a one-year-old child. So, quite small, but then a massive 12-foot wingspan. Whoa. So, reported by locals to uh, basically be covered in short, dark, gray-colored fur, large black eyes, flattened forearms supporting its leathery wings... As well as the head that resembles that of a monkey or human, and then elements, oh, wow. elements. So there's elements of a gargoyle in there for sure. Okay, that's interesting too. The idea that there's fur because you do get that element with um, some species of bat. Right. So it could be some sort of, I don't even know. Just an unknown see. bat species of some kind, <laughs> yeah. like a fruit bat. That's exactly yeah. If it's the size of a one-year-old child, twelve-foot wingspan, like I don't know. Think about how big bats. twelve feet is, though. That's huge. Massive. It's massive, and it seems unnecessary if the body is. Well, one-year-old child, that's actually pretty heavy, I guess. Yeah. It's not a toddler. Like, yeah, it is a toddler, I guess. It's not a newborn. You could have some big one-year-olds. That's for sure. <laughs> Hefty. No. Special picture like Shaquille O'Neal as a one-year-old. You'd need like a 15-foot wingspan for sure. <laughs> you would, yeah. Anyway. 
But I mean, there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely cryptozoology cases that, you know, you could potentially link to sightings of gargoyles. But we've got a weird mix of things here. Yeah, we do. I think it's a little bit of everything. Exactly. Like there's, yeah, there's all these different camps and categories and whatever else. But yeah, I think, I don't even know. It's a little bit more ambiguous this time. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess we're kind of wrapping it up here. I believe we're so. We're coming down to the end. Uh, thanks again for listening, everybody, this week. Um, we, were, yeah. we were stoked on this one. We hope you enjoyed it. And we're really curious to see what you guys think. Yeah. So hit us up. Um, best place is the Facebook forum. Come mm-hmm. chat with us on Facebook. It's super fun. No, but I really do want to know, like, which side are you guys kind of more leaning towards here? Do you do you believe that objects very much like the heads from... Uh, from XM and and things like that stone can have powers endowed upon it or entities can live inside it or do you think these things are based off people seeing monsters and things like that very both sides are super cool i know i love it all yeah so So, uh yeah (laughs) thanks again for listening and uh i guess what anything else to say any closing remarks that's pretty much it. That wraps it up. Yeah. Um, everyone look forward to the film Friday coming out this week. We are discussing The Wailing yes, from right. Adam Castaneda. That's recommended. Right. So thank you for that. Totally. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And freaky. come follow us on Instagram at Into the Portal Podcast and uh, on Twitter at Into the Portal One. And until, uh, until next week. <laughs>